Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two hosts who will never be better than Akuna. No matter how hard you try, you'll never be better than Akuna. What's up, Sarah? Akuna. Akuna. Uh, in a up and down sports week that was more down than up, but we're still working on that. Um, that that was a highlight of my week. I friggin' loved it. I mean, what better way to respond? Someone who attempting to troll you, going, you don't even know how to pronounce your best player's name. <laughs> Uh, if you want to know how to pronounce my name, it's Sarah Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. Gene, and, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Leviosa, right? Leviosa. <laughs> um, my name's uh, Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. Uh, I'm actually the original Producer Gene's evil twin, as you can tell by the new look, uh, for those of you that have joined us <laughs> in the video. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think by Star Trek rules, that makes you the good one, right? Well, yeah, think, see, but I this is right. Star Trek rules. This is least know. common, uh, commonly seen rule. So now, Gene, how long, uh, how long will it take you to bring that back to where we were at the last episode? Um, I don't know how long you got. It's, it's going to be a while. <laughs> All right. Well, look, hey, let's start with um, Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Braves fans. Um, the game Sunday night, the Atlanta Braves series, uh, <laughs> and the thing that the thing that really kills me, still doing that tomahawk chop, huh? We just can't yeah. get enough. It's, I mean, it's always been in poor taste. After last summer, it's it it's unnerving. It's I I can't. You know, it's like it's like somebody casually dropping the N word. You're like, whoa! I I didn't think I'd I'd encounter this in the wild. You know, <laughs> right? Like you, you kind of thought like, oh, we all learned a little better not to do this. But when you have a, you know, I don't know what their capacity levels like, but I think it's bigger than Citizens Bank Park. But when you have a semi full stadium doing it, it is just like super fucking racist. Like, so yeah, I hated it. I, I'd have to mute the TV. I guess that's one thing that uh, 2020 was able to gift us was a, uh, a season without the chop because uh, I didn't hear any of it in the overlaid fake sound that they played when we played in, in Atlanta. Um, yeah. So that's one of those things that uh, you have to figure like, do they all get together and be like, yeah, we're still going to do this, right? Like this is still going to be a thing. Well, that's uh, the thing. The The Atlanta Braves have stayed silent on the, the Tomahawk Chop for about 18 months, according to the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They just have not commented on it. They came out and said that uh, you were not changing the name, which I, I agree with. I don't find the name Braves to be disrespectful. I find it, you know, we've talked about this before, along the lines of like Spartans or um, – I don't know the generals or, you know, whatever. Um, but they said that they were going to evaluate the chop. It was no one said ever said anything about it. And then here we are at the home opener with the stuff on the jumbotron, encouraging fans to do the Tomahawk chop. And it appears that most people in Atlanta do not give a shit. And we're just happy to do it. 
And it, it's funny to me that the organization is so like fearful of like, like all of a sudden our fans won't come anymore or no one will be Braves fans anymore. If we, if we stop doing the Tomahawk chop, it's absurd. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about the Braves and we will because we hate them, mm -hmm. but you know, they have a really good track record. They're, you know what the probably the winningest team in Atlanta. We can drop probably they're the winningest team in Atlanta. Not a lot of world championships to show for it, but um, you know a lot of you know regular season. They and, have a championship, which puts them ahead of I think all the other teams. Yeah, the the Thrashers don't have one. I can tell you that for certain. <laughs> um, uh, and but, I think the Hawks and the Falcons are over as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know about the Hawks, but definitely the uh, I definitely the Falcons. The Dirty Bird did not win the, the Super five, Bowl. That what year. are they called? The Five Stripes? Is that Here's their the uh, is that their nickname or whatever for the soccer team? Oh, I have no idea. Anyway, but but it's if anybody in that town can challenge their fans, it's them. You know, they're the best game going in Atlanta. You know, they have the most well-established fan base in a city we like to make fun of for being, you know, wishy-washy fans. They have a, a good to great following. Stick your neck out there. You know, go and, and say, we're not going to do this anymore. You know, it was a part of our history, but it's in the past now, yada, yada, yada. And you would not be able to stop the fans from doing it if they wanted to get together on their own and do it. Like, mm -hmm. If fans want to do the wave, they're all going to get together and do the damn wave. Uh, if they want to do the tomahawk chop, you know, you, you definitely like, I know where the racists are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you can't stop that. But what you can do is just not put the like, oh, on the on the jumbotron and, you know, encourage them to do it. Uh, just riding on the wave of, Losing an all-star game based on your state's policies that, you know, non-inclusive policies, we'll just call them that. Um, a Braves official came out and said, our city has always been known as a uniter in divided times, and we will miss the opportunity to address issues that are important to our community. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I, I mean, like, honestly, and now you're, and also you're going to, uh, all season long honor the memory of Hank Aaron and we have Jackie Robinson day in two days. Um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't jive. And I, I mean, I would feel weird in the stadium where that was going. I would feel weird even doing the mock chop, which I have been known to do uh, on, on, a, on occasion when playing the Braves. Um, but like, that's, that's long gone now. I, I don't, I don't believe I, I would ever do that. Yeah. I, I mean, just because we didn't in the past doesn't make it okay then. And certainly doesn't make it okay now. You know, sensibilities can change and they can change for the better. That We shouldn't be apologizing for this. I get it, man. Like my high school's mascot is the Braves. And uh, yeah. <laughs> damn, we did the chop for sure at football games. But I would venture to guess it's not it's not happening anymore. So, uh, what else? With the, oh, so the Sunday night game. We got to talk about the uh, the the Alec Bohm uh, safe at home play. Alec Bohm safe at home. Yeah, in the dome. It wasn't in a dome. No. <laughs> oh, we we're doing a rhyming thing there. No, it was a susicle okay. there. 
So super <laughs> out, right? Like totally out, no doubt about it. My Does anyone is- here think beyond a, like there's a like are, is anyone here in the 0.01% crowd where it's like maybe no no he was out <laughs> the problem was the umpire on the field has to make that call because there wasn't a good angle on video that was inconclusive or that was no, well, it's his leg beat the tag for sure like right. 100% he was in there but first. he was he was literally blocked like he couldn't get you know his leg was in but he couldn't touch the plate Right, he kind of got need out of the way. Right. Uh, by uh, was that was that McCann? Um, yeah. But there's no proximity rule in baseball. Oh, not not McCann. It was um, Darno. Yeah, Darno, the other guy, I can't stand. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I don't believe he touched it. Um, if you're going well, there's a chance. Um, yeah, lots of things can happen. You know, there could have been a weird light anomaly going there. Um, the tag was actually a lot higher on the leg than I thought it was. I thought it came in around the knee, but actually looked up more up towards the hip. So maybe the toe and like the ball of the foot missed, but the heel or the calf hit. Maybe. I mean, really, what, the, what you'd be talking about would be like the tip of a a, a spike on a cleat. Um, yeah. And I think like where it's like, okay, you need, uh, what, what do they call it? Conclusive evidence to overturn. So you need conclusive evidence that he did not touch the plate. You do not need right. conclusive evidence that he did, he did. touch the plate right. um, to overturn the, and it's basically like, okay, well, did, was he probably off the plate? Yeah, he probably was off the plate. But there was, was no he, angle that showed it completely clear. Was he almost certainly off the plate? Yeah, he was almost certainly off the plate. Was he definitely off the plate? Yeah, probably. But would you go before God and baby Jesus and all the saints and wager your mortal soul for all of eternity that he didn't touch the plate? And, you know, maybe somebody in the MLB offices was like, no, I wouldn't go that far. And they go, okay, well, then fine. Fuck it. He's safe. (laughs) Their argument is the, the thing of, like, you can't disprove a negative. You know, it's like, well, right, right, right. I'm sorry. I had to like <laughs> process that for a second. And so it's like, well, like prove he didn't touch it. Like, well, that's harder because in this scenario. So if I was in front of God and baby Jesus and they were asking me about Alex Bohm, <laughs> um, right. I don't know what I'd say, but no, he was totally out. He was totally You'd be out. like, man, I did a lot better than I expected down there. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I don't know why we're talking baseball, though. I think that would be the biggest one of my sins. Oh, here we go. Mets, Mets take the lead here in this uh, the second game of this doubleheader. We're in the bottom of the fourth inning for those that are following along live. Um, it, yeah. So, I mean, like, I guess at this point, it's like what, and I'll, I will always go down with this to say, like, what is the point of replay if you're not going to overturn that then really there's not much you are going to overturn that's it's just been, it's been a pass bad a blatantly season. bad call it's been a bad season pretty much so far for, for replay there's been how many cases of bad plays that have not been overturned uh, since the beginning of the year um well and we know they don't overturn balls and strikes but man there's been some of the, the worst balls and strikes umpiring that i've ever seen and um well, that box is the the box is the death of it. Right. You can't like there is no 
like basically when you're watching a game, you're like the box. The box yeah. is the you know the end all is the source of truth is the box, and it's it's not. And um, and I think actually this game was on ESPN, and ESPN does a cool job of giving you the 3D plate and where the ball pretend you know clips the uh, clips the and even if it's just like a little tiny like fraction of a quarter of the baseball clips that it should be a strike, and like, that's a much more advanced way of looking at it than just like the box and does the ball like land in the box where the white dot appears. Um, so that's kind of put an end to it. I mean, like, I, I don't know if that box wasn't there, I'd be much more forgiving of the umpires personally. Yeah. All I want is consistency. And I feel like, I, I feel well, like you want consistency between umpires or one umpire to have consistency, like within himself. Yeah. With the, uh, the umpire starts the game calling balls and strikes one way and they finish the game calling balls and strikes that way. That's, I mean, that's, it's always going to be a bit nebulous because we're not using a box. We're not using that like 3d graphing that they use for tennis to show whether it was in or out or mm -hmm. whatever. So as long as we're not doing that, it's beholden upon ump to have a consistent strike zone. And if, if he's calling a big strike zone or a small one, as long as it's the same way in the eighth inning as it was in the first, I'm happy. <coughs> Yeah, I get it, um, but I do think that the, I don't know some of the some of the coolness of baseball is that fluidity of the rigidity, right? Like, uh, oh, this guy's struggling to find the strike zone, so he's no longer going to get the benefit of the doubt. Or this guy does have command, so he is going to get the benefit of the doubt. Or uh, you know, what was the batter's attitude towards the umpire early in the game? And does it affect the end of the game? Um, because again, it's, it's a bunch of humans playing a game. I mean, like we can take it to the point, you know, it's like, okay, well, we want robotic strike zones. We want, uh, every, every replay to be, uh, perfect. And at that point it's like, well, do you want to just have the robot team from Philadelphia play the robot team from New York? And we set up the programming and we just let them all like stratomatic run out on the field and, and play a game. As long as they fight for each other during stolen bases, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> this is battle bots. It's a battle bot with a Phillies hat and a battle bot with a Mets hat. And they just all go at it. That's for all my base wars fans out there. I don't know. Is it is that like old man attitude? Well, I, I mean, I want to meet these people that want these robotic strike zones. I've never met anybody. Are you kidding me? I think a lot of people want that crap. I haven't met anybody in real life that wants a robotic strike zone. They can play. People complain about it when a call doesn't go their way. But if you were to put put somebody like put a put a a, a, a census out or put out a poll. It's never in favor of the robots. I've never seen one that's come back like 80, 90%. Well, they're doing it in the minors, right? They're testing it out in the minors. Is that because they just can't find quality professional umpires, though? No, I know. That's the difference. I, like, I if, you, if you can't get quality professional umpires, then yeah. But as long as you're in the major leagues, you have quality professional umpires. I mean, unfortunately, we still get subjected to Joe West at least a couple of times a year, but. Um, you better be careful what you say about Joe S on a podcast. Oh, why will he come? And, uh, is it, listen, like, is it like, I did not. I didn't loan Joe S any sports cars. I, I, I. He, uh, we have we had no contact, so don't come at me. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, no, you no, see my Twitter handle, Joe. You can come talk to me. <laughs> no, literally, do you have half a million dollars for the settlement? What's that? What's that? I said, do you have a half a million dollars for the settlement? There's no, no. there is no, there is no money here. The, you're you're you sparking up the wrong. Tree. I have no, I have no influence over Hall of Fame voters by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> Maybe Gene does. I don't. <laughs> I think I do, uh, but I don't. And then, uh, of course, after the 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 bad call, there was the bad replay call, um, and Braves fans, you know, who uh, who don't know how to uh, uh, pronounce a, a tilde on someone's name or uh, how to compose themselves from uh, making racist hand gestures, um, <laughs> start throwing things onto the field. Mm-hmm. And uh, here we go. Here we go. Matt Vaskersian, who I normally actually kind of like, yeah, uh, goes well. I'm gonna paraphrase here. Goes uh, well. The uh, Braves fans are throwing something on the field. Well, Phillies players should feel right at home. <laughs> oh my god! Gene? <laughs> well, it's <laughs> funny. That. What's uh, that, Gene? I said it is funny. Like the timing. Is it- Come on, man. No, you never been to a game Dave, where they threw stuff on the field. <laughs> Dave delivered that joke well. Okay. So kudos to Dave, but it's that excursion it, didn't do it well. No, it's I can't happening. unhitch my comedic timing ability to match that <laughs> yeah, of the uh <laughs> the the, uh, the the I don't know the the, the dulcet tones of Matt Vascursion. <laughs> But fortunately, well, I mean, we didn't have to subject ourselves to A-Rod eating a cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so typical that, like, of a national media. Like, it's the crutch easiest joke that you can lean on is make fun of Philadelphia for having bad fans in a stadium that makes racist gestures. Like, it's, you know. Right. And that's kind of what I was, like, say, like, okay. We're still going to get crapped on for the Santa stuff. We're throwing batteries at, at J.D. Drew or whatever <laughs> whatever happened. But um, the, all this bad behavior from other fan bases just goes like, it's fine. It's fine. I don't care. No one likes us. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of that way. I, it's hacky. Like, it offends me more from a comedy perspective than a sports perspective. Yeah. But it, whatever. I mean, the one that will always bother me the most is the people that complain about the vet having a judge and a a holding cell. Like, that just seems like uh, like good decision-making to me. One of the few good decisions made at the vet. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think the vet... I I thought I saw something that the vet opened uh, like 50 years ago uh, on this, uh, like this week or something. Yeah. The thing that's been nice about that has been, there's lots of been lots of cool aerial photography that's sort of been floating around the interwebs of getting to see like JFK and the vet and the spectrum all together. Um, And uh, you sort of get a real idea of how small the spectrum was. Um, You sort of get that perspective. Um, I sort of remember also when the Spectrum was still standing and the Wells Fargo Center was also already yeah. built. You sort of got a sense for like, wow, that was where the arena sports had their their high, you know, high water. Mark. Yeah, that was tight. Spectrum held like what, like 18,000 something? 
Yeah, it was it was under twenty thousand. It was smaller number like that. Like it, it's funny, like ridiculous when like the Broad Street Bullies were in their peak and and four 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 and man, it just must have been insane. Yeah, uh, it's funny too when I think back on when the the vet was closing. Um, how much we like romanticized that toilet bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in my you basement, really there's, a bri- mean, like- there's a brick, uh, like a piece of concrete from the vet in my basement right now. I, I, I don't know what I'm ever going to do with it, <laughs> but I have it. <clears throat> uh, but don't, that place, that place was terrible. Do, don't touch it. Yeah. Don't, don't like come in contact with it because who knows <laughs> what might lead over to you. <laughs> so judge inside there. <laughs> they never took Seamus McCaffrey out. It's a little judge inside. Uh, <laughs> all of us. But we but, were all like, man, we love the vet. No, we had was no, we were so stupid. We had no other. We had no other frame of reference. We were so so dumb. We the frame realize- of reference was so bad that when we went to Shea, we were like, this is awesome. Yeah, which is also a <laughs> shitty stadium. Or was a shitty stadium. But now it was it's a, a shitty stadium. natural grass stadium, which is yeah. Oh, the the vet before the vet in the pure turf days. That it was. There was nothing natural about that shade of green, and <laughs> especially now in the age of high definition, where they'll show like film taken at field level, and it's like. Like, what even was that? How could, like, they say it was green concrete, and then you see in film grain, like, on high-definition film quality, it's like, wow, that was nothing. Like, yeah. like you might as well have been playing it in a parking lot. It yeah. was insane. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Toilet Bowls, Shea Stadium, um, and just otherwise bad behavior, uh, Thoughts on the the Conforto play uh, to end the Mets Marlins game while we're keeping it in the uh, the NL East, and it's funny because we were having a conversation the day before about how frequently Chase Utley got hit, um, mm-hmm. but he was more of a like a statue situation. It wasn't right. so much of a in search of contact in the strike zone when the game is on the line. Right. I've never seen anything like that before. I mean, I've talked about it. I've, 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 I've said it and accused people of doing it, but even in my wildest accusations, have I seen something so blatant? Um, like, is there like, honestly, shouldn't there, I think there is a rule that you cannot, like it's, it becomes interference. I believe like batter interference. If you actually basically, throw your body into a pitch. I mean, it takes brass ones to do that, but I don't know. And I think I heard something. I think I heard something that there is no actual rule against it. However, the umpire should be ringing you up if you, or, or has the discretion to not honor a hit by pitch. If you felt that, you know, you didn't, you didn't try to avoid it or you went out seeking the contact and the umpire did admit after the game that he made the wrong decision, he should have called him out. And it was, it was only magnified in its hilarity today. Um, when, um, what's our, what's that, what's that pitcher's name that, uh, 
that, that hit him today with like a 102 mile per oh, hour. Um, I'm going to I know we're drawing blanks. Here. It we're begins with blanks. an A, or Alvarado. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and everyone made like a big hullabaloo, like he was doing it intentionally. Uh, but uh, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> well, it was hilarious, like how the Mets, the Mets uh, bench got all up in arms. Like they should have been clapping. Like I figured that they're coached to get hit by pitching. Well, also nowadays, these guys are wearing basically like body armor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, coming up to the plate with this, like, the, and I get it, like, player safety, I'm all for it. But, like, that, I mean, it was, t- listen, Conforto must practice that because his ability to lean into that pitch with the elbow and not only not physically get hit himself due to his protective gear, he managed to get the, the, like, the tape or like the, the strap flicked by, you know, a a 90 some mile per hour pitch. This is just incredible. Um, He's out there with the Rangers doing tip drills. Yeah. Yeah. Dipping it up. All right. That's all I got on baseball. Phillies are down three, nothing now looks in the, uh, in the fifth. It looks like we're going to lose both ends of this doubleheader and have a really, really rough road trip here. Um, and again, yeah, you know, you, Gina, you and I were talking about it before the show. It's like, wow, I play 12 games and we see two opponents. Yeah, that's pretty is, annoying. That is something that we sort of were discussing. It's it's odd how how the schedule was sort of laid out this way. I'm guessing other teams are probably going through through something similar. I don't know if that was by design to sort of like sort of juice the early season rivalries. You put a couple of in you know interdivision series on your schedule early, you go home and away and you know, maybe you can sort of get some storylines started early in the season. But, um, you know, we're going to have a real, gl- like, glut of a season now where we're not going to see the Mets and the Braves, you know, like maybe in the the, de- the the heat of summer when, you know, maybe you want to try to make up some ground on one of these two squads and we won't have a, a series to do it. So um, it'll be interesting uh, to see how that sort of plays out as the year goes on. Hopefully we stay competitive and stay in it. Um, yeah, I think we're all kind of putting this um... – I don't know, the popcorn maker or whatever, and everyone's going to come out around 500 uh, at the end of April, and then everything's going to get rolling, and you're not going to see these guys for a little while. So right. I don't know. We'll see. That's all I, that's all I have on baseball. Any comment on actually being back in the ballpark? Since I think I don't think we've talked about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. We went, to the, we went to the game on Wednesday night, and we got to see a, the, the one offensive explosion day. Uh, from the yeah, Phillies. you guys saw a hell of a game. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a good, a positive experience. Um, and but I don't nobody know tested positive afterwards, right? <laughs> no, it was a tested positive experience. No, uh, <laughs> I, I, I felt comfortable there. Uh, you know, Gene, you mentioned you felt more comfortable there than you did at you know going grocery shopping. Um, yeah, no, that's true. I, I, I was in you know. I felt like there was more care put into my safety at Citizens Bank Park than there is at Acme. Yeah, uh, the seats are all zip tied up uh, for the seats that you you know are not are not sold. So you know you might think people would go like, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> like a spread out man spread uh, across yeah. this whole row. Uh, there wasn't any of that. Um, 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because Tim Tim went to the game uh, with us, and uh, the ice cream now comes in powder blue helmets. Uh, which, it's pretty sweet. Why did we mean? leave the show with that? <laughs> I forgot all about it. Which is funny because I had ice cream today. We had ice cream for dessert tonight, and we uh, we had uh, we used the powder blue uh, powder blue helmet uh, today for one of our ice cream bowls. So yeah, it, it's like it's once you see it, it's like I gotta I gotta have ice cream. I have to have it. I have to have it. Yeah. So I mean, in my lifetime, I've owned the current Phillies red. Yeah. Um, Dozens the burgundy, but yeah. I've never seen a powder blue. No, I've never seen the powder blue either. It was totally new. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, three uh, forty-year-old men standing in line for for ice cream was uh, <laughs> super fun. Totally worth it. <laughs> I, I I'm sure going back on. To, I don't have to do it again. Every all of you guys have no, to do it again. Yeah, we got to do it. Uh, well, yeah, more kids are fighting over it because that was the ice cream. I have two Phillies Reds and I have a, an Arizona Diamond Diamondbacks and a uh, and a powder blue. And there's four of us, so it's like. The kids all want the powder blue because it's the new one. So <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going back Friday. So I do want to check out some of the other – we did not venture out into Ashburn Alley uh, for any food or crab fries or anything like that. So I do want to yeah. see what that food situation uh, is out there. But other, other than that, it was a normal experience. No – like when we talked about the flyers, like the 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 board where you have to like answer, like, no, I, I have not experienced any of these symptoms. There was nothing like that. You just basically – it was like any other – any other day at the ballpark. And I, you know, a lot of that probably has to do with it being an open air stadium. So, um, yes. Yeah. So, and also, I mean, those questions aren't a great screener. You know, anybody who's going there is not going to get to the door and go, Oh yeah, <laughs> I have this awful fever, <laughs> right. shortness of oh, breath. It's a CYA situation for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but and the Sixers just died of COVID. <laughs> the Sixers were doing a where if you were sitting courtside or within the first few rows, you have to take a rapid COVID test. Um, yeah, well, that's not in. about protecting the fans; that's about protecting their product. The, the Sixers well, yeah. know where they're, hell yeah, where they are in the standings this year. And it's like if any of you sons of bitches get JoJo sick, I'm gonna kill you. Well, yeah. JoJo sits on that folding chair on the other side of the room. He, he's he's the one that's gonna be fine. Um, Jojo jo Joel Embiid hasn't talked to any of his teammates probably in weeks. He, he wanted, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do let's do five quick minutes on the Sixers because I know we're gonna go. It's gonna be like uh, I don't know, a hellstorm going through the Flyers uh, <laughs> yeah. today. I mean, Joel Embiid is a Philadelphia treasure. Unbelievable watching this guy. Like it, it's almost like I wish you know how like when you um when you're in your house in the summertime and you have the air conditioner on you're like comfortable and then you have to go run some errands or something or do and then you come back in your house and you're like holy shit it's so cold I didn't realize like how nice and cool it is inside my house that's like Joel Embiid like if you just watch other basketball games and then come back and watch Joel Joel Embiid it's like walking back into the air conditioner you're like oh my gosh. This is a, I can't believe this like gigantic human moves like this, scores like this, does all these things, step back jumpers, Euro step, power move, like bully ball, like everything, does every damn thing. It's just incredible. I, I, I sometimes I have these moments where like I can't believe he's ours. Well, and the, thank the, goodness he's ours, real quick. And Gene, I'll let you pop in and actually talk basketball. But <laughs> thank goodness he's ours because 
man, is he the epitome of a, a Philadelphia player. You know, he, he embodies this city. He's, I, I'd hate to see him anywhere else just because a, a big man with that size and his uh, kind of carefree, kind of fuck off attitude. Um, love, love Embiid. You know, he's a, he's a great fit for, for Philly. But that casual, like, you know, fuck off attitude or whatever, it really <clears throat> is outside of like, it's, it's like within the game, but it's like not when he's playing the game. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it because he's very like anymore, like very business, business like in like the seriousness of winning right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he is all about the business of winning basketball games right now. And uh, I, I expect I expect a massive game from him tomorrow night. And I am so excited to watch this Nets game tomorrow night. Yeah, the uh, the thing I wanted to say is, uh, you know, this year as the Sixers have been sort of, you know, hovering around the, the one seed in the, in the NBA uh, or certainly in the Eastern Conference, um, I've been consuming a lot of other NBA material, other NBA media, um, trying to get a sense of what the other NBA teams, you know, are doing and who the other big movers and shakers in the league are. Um, you know, it's sort of one of those things that when you have a team that could contend for a title, you want to sort of know what, what you might be seeing at the end, you know, maybe you're looking ahead a little bit, but uh, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about guys like uh, Luka Doncic or uh, the, you know, uh, you know, obviously you've got AD and, 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 um, and uh, LeBron out West, but you've got a lot of these, these, these superstars. And then when the Sixers come to town, if they're on that night, like against Dallas the other night, those guys, the Sixers shut them down. You know what I mean? You, the, the story becomes what did Ben Simmons do to their star player to to shut him down that night? Or, you know, leading up to the game, it's what is this team going to do to stop Joel Embiid? It, it, it's been an interesting sort of switch because I'm so used to hearing, like, what are we going to have to do? You know, we don't right. have an answer for somebody else's. Yeah. Nah, yep. But even talking about the Nets, who have probably the one of the best three combination of star players since you if know they ever the all play Heat. together. Yeah, the, since the Heat. But that's exactly the thing. It was almost sort of predictable. It, rarely do the the three of them play together. Uh, and, and are they ever going to have those types of personalities actually make sense together? Um, and even with that, do any does that team have an answer for Joel Embiid? And that's what makes tomorrow's game to me fascinating well, because. What is no what team yet this season at this point in the season try to come up with a way to stop Joel Embiid? And if, if they don't show us something, you know, he's going to be the best player in that series, possibly, uh, at least arguably, you know, come the spring. Well, he could have the most, he could have the most impact, uh, right. for sure, for sure. And I, I mean, I love, um, you know, follow, following the painted lines on, on Twitter. Um, they're always giving you the, um, the opposition's the opposition stars uh, uh, statistics when facing Ben Simmons, and it really is incredible how he's able to shut down pretty much the the number one player from from the opposition. And you know, we talked about the the zero and fourteen for Kemba Walker against it. You know, I mean, it's just. It, and I know he's had his struggles in the uh, especially lately offensively. Like a lot of people have been 
have been really down on Ben Simmons, and you know, play, you know, quote, playoff Ben is is coming, and we'll, you know, we'll see what what that looks like this year, and hopefully, it has a new um, sort of a new flavor to it. Yeah. Uh, but even Joel has kind of called, well, not called him out, but basically said, you know, we need Ben in the playoffs to to make to make the difference. So I'm really, I mean, just think, just think what a Sixers championship would do for the the sports landscape of Philadelphia, especially this season coming off of whatever the fuck the Eagles were doing this year, whatever the fuck the Flyers are doing right now, whatever the fuck the Phillies will do in September. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have a lot of I have a lot of I have a lot of faith. A lot of faith in the Phillies this year. Um, but I just think it would and like I don't know. It would just really mean the world to 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 me and I think a lot of like process guys to see that come to fruition with with Joel and Ben. I, I really feel like this is the year to do it. I really do. Yeah, it really is sort of like the window is there. I'm surprised that they didn't make maybe a bigger move at the trade deadline, but I don't think the big move was there that you you didn't want to spend the capital to 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 you don't want to force it. You already had. You don't you know what I mean? There was there was that situation in 01 where you had, lost your, you had lost your center in 01 and you had to go and get the Kevin Um right. you don't really have that situation here. Uh, and honestly, the, the the big move, or what what the way they handled the trade deadline to me told them that they were confident that they were going to get not only Joel back from that injury, thankfully, but that they were confident that he was going to be able to perform at a high level. And he he's shown that he's he's if not a hundred percent, he's he's well on his way there. It's not as dramatic as this, but it was it's kind of reminiscent of you got to get CC Sabathia, you got to get CC Sabathia, you got to get CC Sabathia. You got Cliff Lee. Who's this guy? <laughs> now, those of us that were paying attention to baseball knew Cliff Lee was a super value pick right there. But right. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't know. I, and I'm not saying George Hill's Cliff Lee, but uh, forget that aspect of the comparison. But there was like a get the big name, get the big name. It's like, okay, you took a little measured approach. Or like the Phillies in uh, 2008, you know, trade deadline. It's like, nah, it's these relievers. Scott Air, who's this guy? You know, whatever. Right. Not a big move. All right, it's time. <laughs> it's time. What is going on with the Flyers? Another loss today, right? Uh, yes, another loss today. I, I was only on the Phillies. So I didn't even check. Uh, I knew they were losing 4-1, so I didn't even. 6-1 loss to uh, the Capitals, who didn't prove their team at the trade deadline. Um, it's not worth losing if you can't lose big. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah, they I can like, and they did. They Sarah, can the other day when you said that you had walked away from that Buffalo game and came back and it had inflated to like oh. a like a five three loss. There was nothing more telling to me than the way that was described than this flyer season. It's it's really been a case of well, it seems like it's going bad. I'll look away for a minute, and when you look back, it's it's worse. <laughs> yeah. So to to paint the picture for. Anyone who didn't see that Drek against Buffalo, the most recent Drek, the one before the trade deadline, it was a 3-2 Flyers lead late in the game. And um, Buffalo scores on a Jeff Skinner goal, I believe, uh, that may have been kicked in. It was, you know, led... Um, Tim recognized my prop. Yes, I've been holding on to a glass of wine just off screen, you know, hopefully for a cheap joke, but it's a practical prop. So it's been getting warm, 
which is <laughs> not not so great. But um, but it was three two, and this is one of the reasons the Flyers forced me to drink. Um, it was three two. Jeff Skinner knocks it in with his skate, but after being tackled by I want to say Voracek or maybe Giroux, one of those two fan favorites. Um, <laughs> That <laughs> that's good leadership right there. It's great leadership, and we'll <laughs> talk about it. Um, but it's under review, and I'm like, well, it's probably gonna count. Maybe we'll get lucky, and, and they'll they'll say it was a distinct kicking motion. And then I hear crying from uh, the basement. My daughter was playing, and she bonked her head. She was fine. It was no big deal. But I went down, you know, gave her snuggles, made sure she was okay. And I walked back upstairs and the Flyers had lost five to three. <laughs> and I'm like, she wasn't like bleeding out. It was a quick bonk, a kiss and a cuddle. And it was like, what the hell happened? And that brings I feel like that's what Chuck Fletcher said too. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, this, this Flyers team is broken right now and and the trade deadline has passed and we sold i mean people might not be happy with how much we sold but there were you know four unrestricted free agents on the team um we brought brian elliott back because he's our best goalie right now um we extended scott lawton and we traded the other two. Oh my god i've heard at the trade deadline, the East is like an arms race. And, uh, oh, man, Bryce Harper with a web gem right there. Oh, they almost doubled the guy up on second. Um, but I've heard the East described as an arms race. So what is that going to look like for us next year? Oh, it'll be different. It'll be different. So first off, Boston will be out of the division, probably, hopefully. I, I think we're going to go back to the old alignment, but – there's some simmering that the Canadians really like the all Canadian division. But I, was, I, don't I, was, think I, I was, I was going to say, I've heard some rumblings that that's racist. There is some, some, <laughs> some positive <laughs> momentum sort sort of a keeping a similar way that this is lined up. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll definitely see That'd be interesting. Um, but even if the Bruins stayed in the division, the, the Bruins are showing that they are a bit fragile, not as fragile as the Flyers, not even close, but that they're beatable. Um, and they're an older team with a strong younger contingent, but like their window is probably going to close and then open back up again. Um, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Washington, and the Islanders all realistically think they have a chance at the cup and the Islanders and Washington in particular, you know, they, I think realize that this is maybe their end of their window. Uh, Washington's been open for a long time. The Islanders, it's just been this sort of this confluence of events that has made them a juggernaut in this post COVID playing period. Um, so, yeah, they were loading up, and I'm happy the Flyers didn't try to because the only team they had a shot of catching uh, was the Bruins. Um, and I thought, okay, we saw a few pieces, maybe bring up a few Phantoms and go, all right, guys, fight for uh, 
fight for a position next year. Um, show that you have a little pride. They went out and lost 6-1. So it's it's rough. I mean, there are going to be wholesale changes. And while, I mean, a, I believe there's going to be wholesale changes. There's a lot of talk as to Chuck Fletcher is not going to do anything. It's going to be business as usual for the Flyers. You know, they haven't done anything for eight years, yada, yada, yada. In that time, there's a, you know, a couple different coaches, a brand new GM, a new team president. So there's no reason to believe that Chuck Fletcher is going to sit on his hands. Um, so I do think change is coming this offseason. And it comes to the question of who's to blame? What changes do you guys want to see happen? And how much how much blame do you guys put on the core? Okay, this is directed at me, I'm sure. Well, um, I mean, it's it's what we talked about, like pre-show. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And look, I <laughs> I joke I joke a lot about like you know Giroux's not a good captain, and and we got to move on from these guys, and they're just not. I understand that there are productive players, and Drew specifically is a legendary flyer um, by by all accounts. I mean, certainly just look at the numbers and, and you'll see it. The, what I have, my issue is, okay, we've been trying to make it work with this group and trying and trying and trying, and it's just not, it's just not happening. So at this point, I'm ready to just go nuclear and start all over with young guys. And I, I like, I know that <laughs> I, I understand that there needs to be a mix in a successful team with veteran leadership and things like that, but it's just not working with this group. If we run it back next year, what is, what is the expectation? What's going to happen? We're going to fall short. Obviously there's no, there's no, like what? What are we looking at that says like, oh well, if we run this back next year, it'll be better. Well, you, you touch on a lot of things, but let's let's start with the, the last point. The indication that it should be better is because right now the, and I, I'm not advocating that they run it back. I'm I'm open for change here, not as much change as you want though. But if they run it back. The, the team should be better. Right now, they're playing as less than the sum of their parts. You know, let's look at Oscar Lindblom. Oscar Lindblom was progressing nicely, had was on a path for a career year before he got cancer. And he fought cancer, he beat cancer, but he had chemo and it ravaged his body because that's what chemo does. And then he had like no off season. And so he's a, he's a shadow of the player that he, he really is. Now, you have guys having down years across the board. Are we prepared to write off the kids? Are we prepared to go, well, Konechny's not the real deal. Um, Phil Myers, you know, not what we thought he would be. Carter Hart, Carter Hart. Are we prepared to write off Carter Hart? Because if Carter Hart's better. If our goaltending is not the worst in the league, which it is right now, or at least has been recently, then the, the Flyers are probably making the playoffs. 
Now, there, there, there are enough talented pieces up and down this lineup for the Flyers to be competitive. Before the COVID pause, the Flyers were one of two of the hottest teams in the NHL. They were the team that everyone looked at, and, and maybe like people were looking at the Sixers going like, hmm, this might be their year. And post-COVID, everything has gone to shit. Um, in the bubble, it was a lot of the guys who were older and away from the kids. Their, their kids are actual children, not young hockey players. Um, now it's the kids who are struggling who, yeah, think of it this way. They're away from their parents. You know, these guys are like 22, 23, and it's like mom and dad can't come in for a weekend because mom and dad are in Canada and can't cross the border or in Russia or in Sweden. You know, so there's a lot, there's a lot to indicate that this year is an outlier. With that being said, I'm fully open to being aggressive, to showing a little bit of that old flyer style of this is not working. We need to get better. We're going to trade our assets to get better. I don't think it's a blow it up scenario. We, we already kind of did, you know, people talk about, you know, this team has been bad for eight years. Who was on this team eight years ago? It was Giroux, Voracek, Couturier, Lawton. And then, um, so it's those four. And then I don't know, eight years ago, ghost wasn't even on the team yet. And Raffle wasn't even on the team yet. Raffle's gone. Ghost has had a for sale sign around his neck for the entire season and, you know, the end of last season. Yeah. So the core really only comes down to Giroux, Voracek, Lawton, who we just extended and nobody complains about, and Couturier, who nobody complains about. So this there has been an upheaval. This is a newer, younger Flyers team. But it, if you want to go and pursue a Jack Eichel, who you know is not officially out there, but is out there, everyone knows that you know he's growing impatient or has grown impatient with Buffalo, then go for it. Go get Jack Eichel. But I don't want to hear about, yeah, this core just isn't good enough. They were surrounded by garbage forever. You know, go back and look at some of those old rosters. You know, when you have Jordan Wheel, you know, when you have Dale Weiss, when you have Chris Vandevelde, when you have all of these players who are either, you know, fifth liners bouncing back and forth between the AHL and the NHL or not in the league anymore. You know, these this core was surrounded by horrible players. Look back at Claude Giroux's numbers in those times from that horrible 2013 season, the, the year that started the Flyers just being bad and horrible and the worst thing in the world, according to a lot of people, Giroux, I think, is seventh in the league in points. You know, Voracek's 17th. They've produced. They've done their job. So if you want to change things up, I'm fine with it. But it, Mike Sielski, you know, favorite guy, pointed, said that, Homer was an idiot to extend Giroux. That's just factually incorrect. You know, he argued that Hexall shouldn't have paid Voracek. Okay, you want to argue that? Fine. I know people don't like Voracek. 
But Voracek is the 26th highest player in the league, uh, highest paid winger in the league. He's 27th in scoring for the time of his contract. He's doing what he's supposed to do. So I'm all for rebuilding, not rebuilding. I'm all for retooling. I'm all for, you know, bartering and seeing how we can improve this team. But I... I am not here for for casting aspersions, pointing fingers, throwing stones at the 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 boogeyman that is the core. Well, oh, look, <laughs> who this team, this Flyers team right now? Who is the real Flyers team? Was it last season or was it this season? I. Wow. Yeah, I just that my was head a look. Up. And look like big Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> uh, this is probably the last time I'm wearing my hair down because you know a little inside baseball for people at home who do not care. But but um, you know we're recording, so we have to turn off our air conditioning and close our screen doors because our neighbors talk loud and somebody's sweating her ass off. Um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. So what was the question? Oh, who what is the real Flyers team? The bubble team from last year or the team that was like uh, on fire and going into the COVID break or this team? The on fire before going into the break, I think, represents the Flyers when <laughs> everything is clicking. I don't think that either the the bubble team or this current iteration of the team reflects their true talent at all what it it looks like to me is is a team that just like it's not like hey we're great at handling adversity oh no they're not if you want let's have that conversation if you want to this team you know and maybe that's where we want to talk about leadership or attitude in the locker room or whatever but it's been they they don't handle adversity well and I love Claude Giroux. I want him to be a Flyers Flyer for life. I want him to see him hold the Stanley Cup as a Philadelphia Flyer. And he's not somebody you're going to accuse of not caring. Sometimes you can, can, can accuse him of caring too much. And he's gotten a lot better at this over years. But you would see he'd have a, a bad game and then maybe a bad shift in the next game. And he's breaking his stick. He's slamming the door. He's already out of the game. And in years past, I've seen that with this Flyers squad. What I haven't seen is the quit. The just the the um, the the roll the roll over and play dead, which I've seen a lot this year. Um so that's concerning. I don't know if that's they've quit on AV. They quit on each other. They quit on Giroux. I don't know, but there's a lot of quit going on in that locker room right now. So, do you think that the 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 simple answer or the easiest fix is you you sacrifice a guy who was considered coach of the year last year here a year later, bring in a new head man, and hope that his voice gets through? Is that the? I mean, is there a is there a single player that would be out there as a free agent or a trade option? that you could bring in to this team and and would make that much of a difference more so than if you were to change the coach 
you know, I, I mean, and what are what are you willing to spend? Are you willing to to trade Drew? Are you willing to give up on Carter Hart and send him out and hopefully get what you would consider a future value for him? Um, you know, I guess that's sort of where where the the leadership of this team, as far as the front office, has got to be sitting with. The, these are the, the the decisions that are on their table, which is why you I think can't go, the, you can't that, go full Wentz with Carter Hart. No, you can't. you can't sell him at the absolute lowest point of his value. You got to at least try. No, the Car- Carter Hart is not someone I'd, I'd give up on. the 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 pedigree he has, um, he is probably the most decorated goalie prospect ever to enter the NHL, or at least to enter the NHL in the modern era. He has always stepped up his game to compete. He has struggled in the past, and I, I know I brought this up, I think, last year or maybe two years ago now, on the show that he does have sometimes adjustment periods between you know the various ranks and, and, and his roles. But Carter Hart, I would not move him unless I'm getting a top-tier goalie prospect back. Or I no, I would not move Carter Hart for for pretty much anything. Everybody else, everybody <laughs> else is open. Um, I was going to say, I'm mean, just trying to figure out what your what your as far as the the players are concerned. What is the the piece that you could get a difference making chip back? You know what I mean. The the only thing that I can see that makes that sort of quick fix and it's it's sort of a typical hockey hockey move is you you change the coach um and, and is there a coach out there that even comes in and can deal with this sort of a dumpster fire yes um yeah there, there's a coach that can do it bruce boudreau is still out there um i'd love to see the i'd love to see bruce boudreau with the flyers i don't think a change in coach is coming um a lot of people are way overreacting to Chuck Fletcher's statement about changing coaches where they asked, Hey, Hey Chuck, are you changing coaches? And he said, no period <laughs> end of sentence. And they're like, well, he said it there. He's not changing coaches. I'm like, well, no, that's not a ringing endorsement. That's I don't want to talk about this. And AV may have lost the room. If AV's lost the room, then I don't care how good a coach he is. His time here may be done. And if you believe I, anybody in front offices of sports teams when they're asked those sorts of questions, I would like to direct you to Howie Roseman and uh, Doug Peterson at the end of last year. Uh, just days later, Doug Peterson was looking for a job. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it, they do it all the time. It's it's like when Gary Bettman talks, like when he negotiates in public, the commissioner of the NHL, and people are like, Bettman said, you know, they're, they're not prepared to do uh, an eight-year – collective bargaining agreement they said we're not sending players to the olympics well he's not i'm like he's in the middle of a negotiation why trading trading carson wentz would be like cutting off one of my fingers yeah (laughs) that's a pretty solid endorsement that you're not going to trade carson wentz and it's like okay well then and last i saw he had all his fingers um so no i do think i think there is an appetite for a significant change and to do that, it's going to cost players you don't want to give up. If I had to guess, I wouldn't buy a Travis Konechny jersey right now. <laughs> um, 
the, the team has soured on him a little. He has tremendous upside. He's gonna be he's gonna be Justin Williams. He's gonna be um oh the guy that went out to Chicago. I'm blanking on his name. He's on NBCSN all the time. Um but he's going to be the one who got away for for so many of us, but I think Konechny, um, Sanheim are going to be bits of bait. And if you can get someone like Seattle to take a, a high contract off your hands, um, or, you know, Voracek doesn't have a trade clause, doesn't have a no-move clause. I mean, I, I think he's going to be in Ottawa or or – somewhere that can use a, a star with experience to buoy a, a bad team, Ottawa, Seattle, a couple of others. Um, but I think players like Orion Ellis in, in um, Nashville might become available in the off season and you're going to give up, you know, all this talk about when are we going to see Morgan Frost? He, he might never be a flyer at this point. Um, Depending on who you're looking to get, someone like Ken York might be the casualty. You could even see Provorov, but someone people like Provorov, Couturier, and Hart are going to be less likely to move because the Flyers plan to build around them. But I, outside of that, I wouldn't be buying too many jerseys. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think unless you get that jersey assurance, um, it, you might be regretting it. Um, okay. Well, uh, I don't, um, I don't have a pithy, uh, I don't have a pithy segue. I set you up. I said, you might be regretting it. And the, what did uh, I regret going into the penalty box? I already, uh, I already regret missing that. Let's go to the penalty box. <laughs> okay. That was fine. I really thought I'd serve that up on a silver platter. Um, but Gene, what are you serving up this evening? So, uh, today, oh, as we're boy. recording this, <laughs> is, um, is April 13th, and I know that the two of you are waiting for some long, drawn-out, typical Gene penalty box, but, um, it's not going to happen tonight. Tonight, I just want to remind you that it's April 13th, and the Washington football team is still called the Washington <laughs> football team. That's right. The Washington football team is going to draft a player at the end of April. They don't have a name, folks. And if you're out there and you're a fan of the Washington football team, I think I'd be a little bit perturbed that my front office, after all of this time, has not been able to figure out a better name for my team than the football team. <laughs> That would be unacceptable to me as an Eagles fan or Philadelphia sports fan. So I'm going to put Washington football team fans in the penalty box because you're going to need to rise up. Okay. All right. Took a bit of a turn there at the end. Um, but a minimalist penalty for a minimalist name – Washington football fans, you're getting two minutes for failure to overthrow your football overlords. 
All right, Dave, who is in your penalty box this evening? I don't know. Am I alone? I'm kind of like Washington football team's kind of grown on me, and I kind of think it's cool now. A little bit. A little Am bit, I, I agree with no, you. No, I'm not alone. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to go with another uh, another star uh, this week. Um, I'm going to put Hope Trotwine. I hope I'm, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, she is a softball pitcher for the University of North Texas. If University of North Texas is sounding familiar uh, to Philadelphia fans, it is because they upset Purdue in the NCAA tournament and then lost to Villanova in the second round of the NCAA tournament. But you should not give a damn about the men's NCAA basketball team because Hope threw a perfect game um, the other day. They're like not, the perfect, perfect game. Not just any perfect game, the perfectest of perfect games. Uh, seven innings pitch, 21 strikeouts, didn't need another damn player on the field with her, I guess, other than the catcher. Um, <laughs> but man, that is, it's damn amazing. Uh, when you think about it, uh, never even heard of anything like that happening, even in like little leagues and things like that. Just incredible. A perfect, perfect, perfect game. All right, so she's not going in Dave's penalty box. She's going to be the number one star of the evening, uh, La Primera Toile. Hope, Hello, uh, Lisa. Top line, <laughs> uh, perfect game uh, pitched in college. Hope Troutline, perfect game, 21 up, 21 down, all strikeouts. Sarah, who's in your penalty box? Me, I'm awkward as hell. Uh, um, sorry, I'm bringing it up. No, it's not going to be me. There were three candidates. Uh, there were three candidates to go in, all of whom have been um, penalty box regulars. These are repeat offenders. Uh, Mike Sielski, I'd mentioned earlier. Mike, you're not going in. Um, we didn't mention the one, the only John Heyman. Um, oh, I thought that's who it was going to be. <laughs> that's, it's Heyman. Not <laughs> yeah, hey man, hey man, getting a little racist, um, <laughs> because uh, that was too light of an intro. But uh, what what happened in Minnesota again with another police shooting of an innocent person, and it's the trial of the previous one. Um, the the Twins Red Sox game was postponed. John Heyman said Twins Red Sox postponed due to curfew and potential for riots, which is not why they postponed it. There was a press release and everything, and they didn't mention riots. So that was Did they even mention the curfew? I thought it was just out of respect. Oh, yeah. No, the, yeah, you're right. It's out of respect, which is a perfectly good reason. But nope, he just boiled it down to his own Pick up your own shit, John. <laughs> yeah. This isn't even your penalty box. Who's in the penalty box? Uh, Greg Wyshynski. Um, Greg has been in a lot, and I am like a fan, I guess, kind of. <laughs> but he's really, he's really working hard to make me not a fan. Um, so on trade deadline day, uh, the San Jose Sharks traded uh, a player by the name of Frederick uh, Clayson to Tampa Bay for goalie prospect Magnus Krona. And Wyshynski wrote, you can't convince me that the Sharks didn't just trade 
for an anime series. And I I guess that's kind of funny. funny. It's funny. Yeah, it's it's hacky. It doesn't really suit the name. And it's even worse when you realize Greg got a lot of shit during the NHL draft for making fun of players' names. Uh, one was, I think he was from Kazakhstan, from the sort of eastern part of, of Russia or the former Soviet Union, and, and forgive me. And the guy had a really long name, and uh, Wish made fun of it. And he received a lot of backlash of people going, yeah, those sorts of jokes aren't funny anymore. You know, because of some of the things we talked about earlier, because of racial tensions in this country, because of othering people who we perceive as different, maybe, you know, drop the sophomore, this person has a funny name joke, and just try to move on it. He didn't learn that lesson. He made a bad joke, and then for some reason takes in obviously um, – Nordic and obviously, you know, Scandinavian name and decides to bring up Japanese animation when there's a wave of violence against Asian Americans. Right. So Greg Wyshynski for being tone deaf, for being warned before, and for being a hacky joke artist, you are my nomination to go into the Potadelphia Penalty Box Hall of Fame. Um, and Greg, you're nominated. You'll find out in a few months if you go into the Potadelphia Penalty Box Hall of Fame. My apologies to Mike Sealski and uh, John Heyman. Keep trying. I know you can get there. I know you can get there. That was when I was supposed to do it, right? Hey, if it's um, a Hall of Fame nomination, you get an extra whistle. <laughs> there we speaking, go. Thank you, Gene. Speaking of Asian Americans, though, like secondary star props to Hideki Matsuyama for winning the uh, the Masters this week, which was pretty cool. Kind of got interesting our, there our towards the end, Greg, just like a little bit. Our friend Greg clearly doesn't ha didn't have any experience watching ESPN in the middle of the night in the nineties. Because if you hear the word the name Magnus and don't <laughs> immediately think world's strongest man, mm -hmm. I feel like you should like turn in your your sports fan. Like card or whatever, Magnus Magnuson, right? Yeah, right. Magnus Magnuson, yeah. like what a, trucks that's the badass name of badass names, it right? Is. <clears throat> it is not an anime, but yeah, and, and you can comment on the name. We called Magnus Magnuson a badass name. You can go, that's a cool name, you know, or God, if you're gonna mock, don't just don't make fun of people, just don't make fun of people, be clever, punch up, make it. Uh, oh, well, yeah. listen, we uh, that's all the cleverness we have this week. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday. What are we going to talk about next Tuesday? We got Phillies. We're going to have – I don't no know if we're going to talk about the Flyers anymore. Is that enough? Uh, have we uh, have we dragged that corpse through the mud enough? Was this the, the Flyers' eulogy for the season? More or less, unless AV gets fired, I don't think we're talking about the Flyers um, until yeah. the offseason. Wow. Wow. I mean, Eagles draft is coming up. So, you know, and the union kickoff this week, I believe. So, yeah, we'll have lots of cool stuff to talk about next week. Um, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. Be sure to check out the Painted Lines Network for wall-to-wall -wall coverage of Philly sports. 
four for four. We got betting show, uh, all kinds of anything you're any sports related things you're interested in. Painting lines has got your back. Um, if you have any more time in your podcast listening week, be sure to check out the whip around uh, for all the week's weird news. Um, and until we meet again, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.